This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome here to another episode of First of the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. Alongside me, cool, calm, and collected despite the loss, it's Wayne Spoonie. Spoons, how you doing, sir? Uh, you shouldn't have seen me last night. It was neither <laughs> calm nor cool. I'm never cool, and I definitely was not collected, but <laughs> uh, I'm doing good, man. Ben, Jake, guys, I'm dealing with writer's block right now. Oh, it, and it's brutal. Yeah, I've had two paragraphs written in this Drew Holiday deep dive I'm writing for three days, and I have not written another sentence. And I'm just keep <laughs> thinking of Drew puns for the title and getting no further. <laughs> so yeah, it's been great. It's been a good basketball week for me. Oh, well, folks who are watching live here on YouTube, hit us up with your, your best Drew puns. Hit us <laughs> yeah. up with your best un- unblockers for Spoonie so we can get him going again. But that must mean you're a legit writer, because I guess it happens to... The best of them, right? So. Yeah, me and Stephen King. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> now, look, we had Salty Jake on, on Celtics late yeah. night last night. Yeah. Uh, Jake, has the salt been reduced at all? Have you, have you balanced the flavor profile? Yeah, a little bit. I'm back to um, a bit more measured, a bit more, um, a little bit more faith, a little more belief in specifically Peyton Pritchard, I think, was really who I directed um, yeah. a lot of the salt out last night. Andrew Holiday. Um, but, you know... That's what happens after uh, a loss and two Carlton uh, Cascade drafts. So I'll do it. <laughs> nice. Well, let's let's continue to throw the salt around a little bit. Maybe end the pod throwing some over our shoulder as we uh, approach <laughs> yes. the, the Sixers game uh, in a in a day's time. But Spoonie, obviously Jake and I fired off some takes on late night last night. Curious to hear your thoughts uh, coming away from the Celtics' first loss of the season. Yeah, I, I think um, immediately after the game, I felt the saltiness is too like i forgot i think ben you said it right off the top on late night is like i forgot what it feels like to lose and yeah that's exactly how i felt and it's like i was legitimately like viscerally disappointed and then i think and it's like they're still on like a 67 win pace at five and one you know what i mean like what (laughs) are we doing here yeah yeah (laughs) i think the one thing that really kind of stuck in my craw if i can use a phrase from 1940 um (laughs) is that the loss felt a lot like last year's problems man like uh, specifically i actually think people were hammering about the fourth quarter jake i thought you nailed it in late night it was the third quarter was problem number two and And overtime was problem number one and like it just ground to a halt um and like Scal on the broadcast, like begging them to have KP run a pick and roll and they're just not doing it. And it just seems like such an easy way to solve it. And I, you know, it's just like so discouraging to be right back where we were so many times last year. Yeah. Yeah, um, man. Do you want to expand yeah. on that? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. PTSD, it's a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, they, 
I went back and watched a bunch of the fourth quarter and overtime stuff today, and the fourth quarter was actually pretty good for the most part. Like they got put into a bit of a hole and they climbed out. Um, I've got a play right here uh, that they actually went to Horford in the pick and roll a fair bit in the fourth quarter because, look, give McDaniels and Ant credit. They were defending really, really well on ball, um, getting over screens of some of the smaller players like Jalen and Drew. um, And Porzingis isn't setting the best screen ever. He's still a fine screen setter, but like Al is one of the best screen setters should we say ever? Maybe. But um, he he was really doing a good job of getting these guys off each other. So, like, Tatum, Al, pick and roll, finds Al on the short roll, easy pass to Pritchard, easy pass to Hauser in the corner, splash. And they just they, – and they did this a lot in the fourth quarter and they, they found success. Tatum was attacking McDaniels at times, but it was, like, off actions and it was a quick decision. The stuff where he's dancing at the top of the key against – Ant or McDaniels is not smart. It's not smart for any player to do that against an elite defender. It's just really hard to cook your cook your man off the dribble. When he was running the pick and roll with Horford, then Nas Reed got switched out of him and he had that beautiful pull up three over Nas Reed. Um, he had another one. I know that you posted about Spoonie where um, Tatum had cat on the, on the switch and he, like the shot itself he can make, um, he either should have taken more time patience-wise on that pull-up three because Cat did bother that shot or he could have easily gotten past Cat and forced a rotation and then gotten gotten off the ball that way. Um, they found lots of success in the fourth quarter. They just they went away with from it in overtime uh, for some reason. And I, I honestly think they got caught up in, and I know Jordan Beard in the chat here uh, mentioned it, uh, getting caught up trying to outdo Ant. I think Ant, because Ant was really cooking, just pull up yeah. stuff one-on-one, right? Like he really didn't need, like some of the, the floating to the left stuff in the lane over Jalen, like off the glass, pull up from three. It felt like they got caught up a little bit in that, you know, um, as opposed to sticking with, with what was working in the fourth quarter. So that was my kind of assessment of, of the late game stuff. Yeah, don't you think the game had a vibe all the way through of like, this is going to be close the whole way through and it's mm-hmm, going to yep. come down to which superstar cooks the most at the end? And unfortunately, and you found himself up against Al Horford a number of times. We had Paul Zingas in foul trouble. They mm-hmm. had their own foul trouble as well. But we just had a number of things that were, could have gone you know, 50-50 essentially the whole way through. Um, but it was Ant uh, cooking in the end that really sealed the game. In terms of the late game stuff, just looking at like some of the clutch stats here, offensive rating, 89.5 in the clutch on this one. Not going to get it done. We talked about it on late night last night. Spoonie, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well, though. It was kind of like the exact moment where the game was lost, where two consecutive possessions, the Celtics ran, Drew handling the ball with Jalen coming up to set the screen. And I've had more time to think about it since last night. And I guess in theory, like the spacing around that action, you can understand theoretically the looks that might've been generated off that action. I just I don't think that we've seen much of that combination so far this season. I don't like Jalen as a screen setter really at any point. Like I just don't think that's where he excels in really anything off ball, offensively and defensively. Are you okay with them running that action, especially you know given the outcome? So I, if the Jays have a weakness, they might be the worst screen setters in the NBA. <laughs> Neither of them know how to set a screen. And it's absolutely Tatum never even makes contact. He just slips it every single time. But um, so and and I think that the other side of that is like it's a little little. That's your one and your two guard running the pick and roll. 
they can switch that so easily. Conley can stay in front of Jalen Brown, and then you're putting um, Anthony Edwards on to Drew, and Drew's not doing anything against Anthony Edwards one-on-one. So what advantage are you really gaining unless you can? they concede the switch, which I thought Minnesota did an incredible job of never conceding the switch. And then on the flip side, Ben, you said it, um, or maybe Jake, that – Ant was cooking Al Horford because we just conceded that switch so yeah. easily and we just let him get there. And and then, you know, Minnie is just absolutely not giving up any bad mismatches unless they absolutely have to. Um, so the, I just really don't understand the advantage you think you're gaining when you're going through um, Jalen pick and roll. Whereas if you have KP, who is yeah. being guarded by Rudy Gobert, set the screen for literally anyone else on the team, if they concede that switch, then you've got Rudy Gobert isolated, top of the key, and he's not protecting the rim. And the flip side is, if he doesn't concede the switch, then they're scrambling. You can hit KP rolling in behind him or popping, and and Gobert's out of position there. You get open shots for KP all day with that accident. So I just it just made absolutely zero sense to me. Scal's screaming at them to get keep KP involved, and that's what we did in both the Knicks game. And the heat game yeah. when we won those games in crunch time. So it just like did it. I, I think I think you guys are right. Like, I really think the Jays were like, oh, Ant just hit a step back on Horford. Now I'm going to hit one that in, in your eye. And that's just like not especially on the road. That is just not winning basketball. I, w- I will say as well, like, I do think that I, that there can be value in like, you know, the smart ta- the smart Tatum two-man game was successful. I do think that that can be part of the offense because there was the one play where Tatum screened for Drew and Jay, oh, here, I've got the clip here actually. Um, Tatum's, it's like the biggest shot of the game. Tatum screens for Drew, Drew Jalen clears to the corner and they kind of bo- both go with Tatum who's rolling down the middle and that left Jalen open in the corner because Tatum has like the most gravity out of anybody on exactly. the court. And like looking back on it, like that's an interesting action because like getting Tatum on the short roll is great. Like he's, yeah, I feel he's feeling confident in that mid range and Anthony Edwards is notorious for having Jalen Brown defense syndrome. Maybe it's an Atlanta Georgia thing um, where he's bad off ball. He's really good, yes. really good defender on ball, but off ball, he gets, he gets lost all the time. And that was an example of a play where it worked really well. And again, mm-hmm. they didn't go back to it in the next, in the overtime. Yeah. So and it's I good think stuff the key here. there is, Tatum's the guy setting the pick, yeah. not Jalen Brown. Like they don't care about Jalen Brown in the short roll. They're mm. thinking, well, just pick his pocket or exactly, you know, he's yeah. going to make a bad decision. So I, I think that's the key. He's like, why is Tatum not setting the screen for Drew Holiday in that case? Mm-hmm. So I, it just goes back like that is the two guys that makes the least sense, JB yeah. and, and Drew, to be in the primary action to me. Yeah, so look, the the text on the highly clickbaity thumbnail for this podcast is a loss to learn from it. I'll, I'll admit to, to making that. You, you've got to do what you can to get clicks in this yeah. in this world of Celtics podcasts. But <laughs> if you had to guess, Spoonie, the first thing that the Celtics are looking at in the film session, we'll assume it's already happened. Uh, what's the first thing they're looking at? What's the first thing that they're trying to play back and learn from? I think so. Even that clip... Jake, you just showed, I think shows it perfectly. McDaniels does not concede that switch. He gets himself yeah. back to Tatum. And I think it was Conley gets himself back to Drew. Um, how to attack an elite defense. Yes. Um, it, and I think we saw some of their issues. Like part of why they were going ISO and it looked ugly is because Minnesota is an incredible defensive team. I, it's like shocking 
to watch yeah. them compared to them last year. Like they just look so drilled now. Uh, they have their one through three guys are great in isolation, and McDaniel's is he he's going to be all all NBA first team yeah. defender, like without a doubt. He might get DPOY votes, and then of course Gobert always sitting by the rim. Um, so I've got a clip here, and I think the big thing is like we have lived with just basically matchup hunting against teams. In Minnesota, you could clearly see they're not conceding the switches. So how do you combat that? You've got to get off the ball. You've got to move the ball. So you'll see it's just like swing, swing, get it to Jalen. He's got Nas Reed on him. Okay, he's going to go to the rim, kick, swing, swing, (laughs) KP, gets Gobert out, drive, easy and one. Like, you just got to get off the ball, get off it quick, make good decisions, um, and somehow I screwed that up. There we go. Thank you, Ben. <laughs> um, and, and I just don't think the teams they've played have challenged them to have to play offense that way. And look, it's been working, so it's tough to say change how you've been playing offense. But I, I think there's a middle ground here where they have been sort of glacial in the mm-hmm. way in some ways, the way they're playing offense. Um, so I, I think they're going to do some heavy film study on what Minnesota did to them and how to counter it. Yeah, that's why I, I kind of maintain that it's a good loss, a low-key good loss, and that it'll jumpstart these conversations. <laughs> yeah. And yes, that's who I am, and I'm always looking for slithers of optimism uh, in the worst of times. But like some stats here on the Celtics offense, so thus far, and I updated these this morning after after the game last night. So 28th in passes made, 26th in assists, 26th in potential assists, and yet we have the second ranked offense based on offensive rating per NBA.com. As well as that, so despite the lack of ball movement, despite the poor assists, the offense is really good. Per shotquality.com, the Celtics are ranked third in adjusted adjusted rather offensive shot quality. So we're not moving the ball, we're ISOing all the time, and yet we've got near top of the league in quality of shots on a regular basis in an increasing sample size. So while that's been interesting in those first five games, we come up against the top defense in the league and suddenly they they force us to scramble out of that. You know, I wonder if it's going to force us to move away from that approach and get back to some more ball movement. Um, Jake, if you had to guess how many mm. shots Kristaps Porzingis took in the fourth quarter and overtime <laughs> combined, what would be your guess? I do believe it is less than one. It is less than one. It totally leaves one numerical value, and that is zero, uh, which is painful. So let's get back to some using Porzingis um, in the fourth and late games, which kind of brings us full circle on this conversation. But anything to add there, Jake? Yeah, I think the clip that we showed earlier with Al in the short role, like Porzingis has proven to be a really valuable role guy as well. Um, And that just makes it, yeah. Just what are we doing? What are we doing? Use, (laughs) Use the weapons, dude. Like, I don't understand. Like, that sh- should be the thing. And I see, yeah, some comments here about uh, Missoula and, um, like, yeah, where the heck were the touches of Pozingas? Agreed. That being said, Pozingas, like, had his struggles, like, um, offensively. He got to the line 10 times, but, you know, 5 for 14. Um, and then, yeah, Missoula not ordering doubles on Edwards was egregious. Um, they they did a lot in the fourth quarter. Um, and then because they weren't scoring in OT, it makes it really difficult to like execute your half court defense really well because they were attacking in semi transition and they were pulling early. Um, just makes that more difficult. I thought 
Missoula made it clear, like once once the shot clock was getting down to like that eight second range, they were throwing like Drew was like in this no like this half double no double making Edwards kind of pick up a triple, and I thought it was really effective. Uh, but yeah, they didn't do it in OT, I think, because the Celtics couldn't get a basket, and they were out and running pretty much. The Celtics were like, what did they do in in overtime? They they made like they made two baskets. And I think it was two, their first two possessions. Yeah. So once once that happens, it makes it so much more difficult to get your half court defense executed at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that at that point as well, Edwards was just feeling it. Um, that's just how it goes. Yeah. Objectively, not even objectively, super entertaining, fun game. Like, yeah, and that correct. I guess that helped detract from the bitterness walking away from it that we just came out on the wrong side of it. But you know, start to finish, it was a super entertaining game. The Jalen Brown. Highlight factory, the production oh, yes. line there, just Ooh. producing some hits. Dude. I think we've got a couple of clips to, to get to. Brown obliges on the blow by. Climbing the French Alps there. And then this one, which yeah. you tweeted out, Spoon, a few moments later. The spin around the yeah. Porzingis uh, pick there, just over the half court line, spin into a pull up three moments after that dunk. Um, I was getting huge vibes of this game cannot be lost, just based on how in his bag Jalen Brown was. And yet Jalen said it after the game. Unfortunately, these highlights are now murdered in the the flavor of a loss, Um, very much like Jalen Brown's dunk over Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell a year ago. Um, But still, nonetheless, extremely fun. Had me jumping off my couch. I don't know about you guys, but I had one of those insane out-of-body experiences when when Jalen climbed the French Alps there. The Jays were awesome in this game, like up until yeah. overtime. Like in the fourth quarter, they were a combined six for 10. Um, throughout the game, they were excellent on, on both ends. I thought the defense as a whole was fantastic. Like we're a Drew Holiday C minus game away from winning this game by seven. Like if we haven't spoken about Drew yet, but um, he was probably at the top of the list of um, if they just have a better game that – they win this game quite easily. Four for 16, three turnovers. So we're going to get to, first of all, an ad break, and then we're going to get to a new Spoonie-produced segment called Contrarian Corner, oh where if you're, if you're wondering why we haven't talked about certain people yet, <laughs> Peyton Pritchard, then uh, they, those names are going to come up very soon. But I'll give you right of reply, Spoonie, on, on the Drew Holiday situation. Anything that you want to add on, on that side of things? Because it was a pretty disappointing outing from Drew. Yeah, I... I think judging from what Bucks fans have said when we traded for him, that this is just kind of who he is sometimes. Like, look, if he was as consistent as he's been every game, like he would be a more well-regarded offensive player. Like he's just prone to have shitty games and he had a pretty sh- a really shitty game dude like and some of these look i just i don't know how many more transition threes i can do drew dude. buddy like <laughs> please just stop i know they go in at a decent clip but like please man just pass the ball unless you are wide open and it seems like they're at like really horrible times too like it, i don't know we should be used to this with marcus smart but um I don't know. He just he just looked off, dude. Like it really seemed like the the length of Gobert around the rim was bothering him. He looked hesitant to go and get deep into the lane. And um, you know, where was the playmaking from the game before? Well, Minnie's got a much better defense. It's a lot harder sure. to make plays and they, they they don't help off as hard because they don't get beat nearly as much. So yeah, I mean if Drew just like look, it goes to OT. He makes one three 
we're good. It's over, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, I'm not, not yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> like, All clearly game. he just, yeah, he just sees Gobert there and he's like, oh crap, I don't know what to do and loses the ball. So, um, just a tough one. I don't think it'll stick. I don't think it's indicative of like a cold streak beginning form or anything, but good Lord, dude, just, we, it was so close. We could have so easily won that game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Derek is such a good down. influence on, on Drew, yeah. I think. And without him there, it just Drew is just acting up, it seems. Uh, two more things <laughs> very quickly. The Al Horford, like, sliding, tripping, falling out of bounds oh, on gosh, what could have been brutal. the go-ahead play late in overtime. Uh, for me, like, I just love Al so much. This is the very non-analytical take that he kind of gets a pass for anything and everything that he does. So I was like the most measured throughout the whole game at that moment where I was just like, that's fine. We love Al Horford. He's allowed to do anything. Whereas if it was like Jalen, for example, I'd be crucifying him on Twitter. So that's one play. (laughs) The other play, Jake, we got your thoughts last night. We'll get him again in a second for those who didn't catch late night. Spoonie, the Jalen Brown end of regulation potential game winner shot. Were you okay with that look or were you kind of looking at Jason Tatum standing a few feet away from him wondering why he wasn't taking the shot? Uh, Jalen, I mean, was cooking all game and he got a ton of separation. I think he went with like an inside out and then step back and that he was wide open. Like, you don't know if you're going to generate a better shot than that. Jalen was feeling it. He's in rhythm. He shot it too. If it had gone in, there would have probably been like less than a second too. So like point two was what they got after that too. So like you got it right down to the clock. Like that, that's a great shot in my opinion. And I, I think last year I was pretty defensive of Joe not calling timeouts. I think it was, was a great, great job not to call a timeout. They were scrambling. Defense wasn't set. We generated great look. Like that, that's fine. That's what you want. Yeah, like a you timeout. want a wide open yeah. shot. Yeah, exactly. So I was totally fine with it. Jake, anything to add? No, thank you, Spoonie. Yeah, absolutely. There's only no, there's no freaking other take to have than that. He is to get one of your best players. A wide open shot. Wide open. Wide open shot. Like, good luck. They tried to draw up a couple of plays that went terribly badly, which is on everybody. So anyway. All good points. We're going to be right back with a new segment called Contrarian Corner. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Contrarian corner directly from the, the genius brain of, of Wayne yeah. Spoody, uh, mm-hmm. where I'll, I'll try and tee this up for you, Spoody, but correct me if I miss any points here. So contrarian takes that we, we don't actually believe, but there is a little kernel of truth to it. So do you want to lead us off with, a, with, an, ex- with an example, an active example? Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, there's people on Twitter when you you say something, you know, people are going to come back with the contrarian opinion. And, you know, there's like some stat that backs it up that they'll always use or they'll like, oh, Marcus Smart shoots too much in crunch time. Right. That's like a big one. Be like, no, he doesn't. He only shoots blah, blah, blah. And then they'll like post a video of him taking a horrible shot in crunch time. It's yeah, like this is why there I is a tweet. little kernel of truth <laughs> to that. But so I, I think a good one is related to Derek White. The mission. I, I, Jake might actually believe this one. So um, I think con- consensus opinion is that Jalen Brown and then maybe Chris Porzingis is our second best player. 
Well, if you look at advanced and impact metrics, Derek White's actually our best player. So contrarian take, Derek White is our second best player. Yep. Patient to the choir, bro. Yeah. That's- <laughs> Maybe that's not contrarian. Look, yeah. look do, do, do you like a guy that's averaging 15.8 points on 64% and 58% from three? Just sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it's so like, he might be our second most, can he be our second most important player, impactful player without being our second best? Like it really come down, comes down to how you evaluate a player's impact and, and what makes them you know, second rank worthy on a team. Because like st- statistically, it's Jalen Brown, right? Or you can maybe say Chris Stapps Porzingis, uh, not to give away something that might be coming up in a moment. But Derek White, like, you know, we've, we've looked like a different team essentially since he's been gone, albeit only two games. But he's like, he's the connecting flight. You know, he's not he's not the, talking from my nice. perspective, he's, he's not the flight from Sydney to LA, but he might be the connecting flight to get me from LA to Boston, which is just as important if I'm trying to get to TD Garden for a game from Sydney. So he's very, very necessary. So yeah, contrarian, but like I think you can you can stack up an argument for for that. So he is so important for this team, where decision making is a problem for this team generally. When Derek White makes a decision, he is making the right decision 99% of the time. He's not perfect. He is human, but I'm not sure there's a human that's closer to perfect than Derek White. And when he's out there, it it puts Drew Holiday back in his place, back in his proper role. Drew Holiday is not the best decision maker. Bucks fans will be the first to tell you that, that he is, you know, he can get CTE at some bad times. And he was, he was acting up yesterday. Whereas when Derek White is out there, he take some of that burden away and makes the right play. That being said, the Knicks game comes to mind. He was guilty of a lull in the middle of the game where they were all ISOing. So again, not perfect, but I believe that Derek White's out there. Drew Holiday doesn't go four for 16 because he's not taking 16 shots. He's taking his his nine to 10 shots that he should be taking, which is like the Marcus Smart zone. We talked about this last night. That's the Marcus Smart zone. I stand by the Drew Holiday and Marcus Smart thing being like they're similar and we're in that when, when they're in that 10 shot range, maybe Drew Holiday's is going to be like, he's like the, per, he's just an elite player when he's in that 10 shot range and Drew Holiday just lets all of these little pieces fall into place. So Spoonie could be onto something here. Well, I, I, another, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. Well, another way of asking the question is, would you rather endure a 10 game stretch of no Jalen or no Derek White? Oh, I, I would I like to say that's why there's that's why there's some truth to it, man. Yeah, but exactly. I, I, yeah, it's really hard. I, I think, look, Derek White also couldn't score 26 efficiently a game on the types of shots Jalen is forced to take. Right. Correct. Like when the offense grinds to a halt, Jalen gets the ball with eight seconds left and he generates a decent look for himself or in transition. He's an absolute monster. So like. He's our second best player, but I I don't know. I think we might look worse without Derek for 10 games than we look without Jalen. And maybe part of that's because Tatum's skill set kind of just can absorb what Jalen does in a lot of ways. Mm. But I don't know. I, maybe that one's not that contrarian. Maybe that one's not a good <laughs> no. example. Well, I think the, I, the I, commenters I, are very active, so you've stirred up some, yeah. uh, some jimmies here. It's important ahead, to know Jalen Brown, 26, 7, 4 assists, 1 steal. Three turnovers, but like you can live with that kind of usage and three turnovers from Jalen Brown. He was fantastic yesterday and has been fantastic 
this season. And like the game is about a bucket and that's what Jalen Brown is. Mm-hmm. Very important. Jake, you got a contrarian take for us? I do. Actually, you guys have kind of queued a couple up here for me. Um, I'm going to skip through here. PP is on his way out of the league. Oh, that's contrarian. Is it? I think <laughs> yeah. it is. That's very contrarian. We just re-signed the guy. We just extended him. Um, I mean, he's not out of the league because he's got a $30 million contract guaranteed or whatever, $40 million contract, whatever it is mm-hmm. uh, guaranteed. Ah, uh, man. Now, but, I was very... But like, uh, yeah, like the Evan Fournier out of the league, yeah. right? Like where yeah, he just sure. is glued to the bench and is never going to play and he's just dead money. Where I'm pretty sure that Brad re-signed Pritchard for the tradable salary more so than his belief in his ability to impact um, the Celtics' ability to win a championship. So I will say, though, it's bad right now. Like right yes. now, I, he looks... and it's, I. Uh, Greg um, from the Green With Emily podcast was replying to me because Pritchard was a team high plus 13 yesterday. Important to remember that those single game plus minus uh, stats can be very misleading because if he's six rebounds and three assists, he wasn't so bad. Someone told me on Twitter, he is not out there for his rebounding and his three assists. If he's out there for his rebounding and three assists, then O'Shea Preset and Lamar Stevens can play because they have much better rebounders and defenders than Peyton Pritchett, and it's not particularly close. He's out there to shoot anytime he has a sliver of space. And right now he looks so, 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 so hesitant, scared. It's bad. He also needs to find the Jays when they're open. Did you see yeah, that play early in the game where he just missed a running Jalen that would have, I guess, uh, eventuated in an open three or a dunk, and he just missed him, and then just like the visceral physical reaction from Jalen when he was just like, man, like I was right there, I was wide open. He gave him like the hardest hand slap I can't even call it a high five because it was that aggressive to, to PP a few moments later. That. So make your shots, find the Jays. That's, those are sort of the minimum requirements and he's just not doing either of them. He's taken two extremely stupid fouls too. I think one yeah. was in like the Washington game where we had them almost pinned for, uh, for an eight second violation and they were going to get it out. And then... Pritchard just fouled them and they were in the bonus and Tatum was like, what are you doing? Like they were going to start their possession with like 14 seconds on the shot clock. And he had another one last night. It is escaping me what like the actual scenario was. I think it was to end the half and he fouled them. Uh, Yeah, right before the the end of the half. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. And again, Tatum's like, yeah, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) They're like, they're at half court with two seconds left. Why are you giving them free shots? So, I, I think it's just indicative of right now, this is probably the worst we've ever seen Peyton Pritchard play. Because even last year, he'd come in in garbage time and hit a couple threes. But I will say, the rebounds, the assists, it's not, it is nothing. But he's playing at a level. If he just starts making his shots, he'll be valuable again. He's going to start taking oh, yeah. his shots. He's yeah, start yeah, taking his the, shots. Yeah. That's the what bigger problem right now. Last night? One three point attempt in 20 minutes. That's insane, dude. It's like, not, it's, I want to see him. I want to see him come out, get off the bench tomorrow night, and take like a thirty footer. Like, I don't give a shit, dude. Just yes. like get your swag back, take a deep ass Steph Curry three. He can make them. He shot like thirty seven percent on those last year. Like, he needs to do something uh, because I do think this is contrarian because i do trust pritchard to make his shots i think he'll stick around in the league for a long time but like if it keeps going like this it may be the the correct take very soon 
is he even going to play tomorrow in the battle for the one seed against the Sixers, which we'll, we'll wrap the pot on talking about and previewing that game. But if you're, if you're Jerome Azula and you want desperately to win this game, are you looking at alternatives like Spima Hylok or O'Shea Brissett or someone who could bring a little bit more tangible value to a game against a large team like the Sixers? I just watched Pritchard's three assists. Um, while you were talking, and he's just he's just standing there, and off ball stuff is happening, and he finds Jalen three hits Hauser for a three, and I showed the play earlier with swinging the ball to Hauser. Mm-hmm. If he didn't make those plays, then he like, mate, you got to walk back to Boston again from Minnesota <laughs> this time, as opposed to to Washington. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I wouldn't play him tomorrow. I would. I would try someone else. I'm not saying bench him forever, but this is a. It's an important game. Um, I would go to O'Shea, Svee. I would like to see Svee in this role because like, he really can juice the offense, I think, um, and has the size. Ben? This is where I think it gets a little more nuanced, though. Sorry, Spoonie, to cut you off there. Where We, we had the issues with, with Pritchard last year, pretty minimal issues, but he was a little bit vocal in how disappointed he was with his role or lack thereof. Suddenly, we're seven games in, he's been extended and... There's a potential for him to be benched already. Don't you, from a team chemistry perspective, need to give him a, a longer leash still at this point? Like seven games is nothing. Hauser found his touch after a little while. Do we yeah. not need to allow Pritchard to do the same? I, I, I would make this the last game of the leash because this is a perfect matchup for him. Philly does not play defense like Minnesota. They don't get up into yeah. ball handlers. Embiid's always in that super deep drop. Mm-hmm. Like he should be able to do some damage against the Sixers. I believe he has in the past. So and like it's not like Maxi's some insane defensive point guard either. So like give him this one last chance and then yeah, I'm with you, Jake. Like throw Sfi out there, see what happens. Maybe he'll suck too, and Pritchard will come back two games later like nothing ever happened. Who knows? But like at some point you just can't keep rolling the ball out there and praying he makes a shot like he he's like not even close on some of these threes um you are right on Pritchard having success against the Sixers for his career he's averaging um 60 percent from the field 53 percent from three so maybe you're onto something there that this is definitely a spot that he he can be successful um yeah so and look I'm a big Peyton Pritchard coming to the season, bullish. Mm-hmm. I am still a believer that he has the talent in there for sure because we've seen it in too many moments. And one game in particular that I have queued up here, game two versus the Brooklyn Nets. The Celtics were down 17. I was at this game. He sparks the comeback. We got the clip here and play, pay close attention to um, the audio because Mike Gorman is just on one here. White keeps on going with the dribble, gets him Pritchard, Pritchard in the lane, takes it, makes it, and there you go, Pritchard off the bounce, big shot, Pritchard, he crosses over, pull up by Pritchard, and goes. Two for four for Pritchard off the bench. Pritchard. Tatum. Got Kyrie on him. Murray trying to use the body. Pritchard off the bounce. Crosses over. Takes it. Got it. Josh. Are you kidding me? What a gamer. Boss 
Austin's gonna leave. Up against the clock. Here he goes. Crossover step back. Shot is up. Big time. Who Come is that on. guy? Come yeah. on, Who is that? <laughs> Notable that guy. Tatum was the assister on that last play yeah. as well. Gorman, man. I got chills, man, watching that. I like, there's nothing better than Garden going off playoff game and Peyton Pritchard being the guy that gets them a 2-0 lead. Like that series was on, in the balance again and he was huge. He's in there for sure. He's been doing it since Oregon. Big game, confidence. He's, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's trapped in his body, like get yeah. out style. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is maybe not contrarian. I added it before the show. Listening to your guys' like legitimately contrarian takes. I regret adding this. I, don't, I, think it's pretty, <laughs> I think it's pretty vanilla. But let me know what you think. Is Kristaps Porzingis a bit soft? Or is that, has that already been known about him and I'm just discovering this? Because to borrow a term from Charles Barkley, he's a little light in the ass. He gets pushed <laughs> around quite easily under the bucket. I know Gobert is like one of the bigger bigs in the league, but he seems like on either end when he's hustling for rebounds, he's just very, very easily pushed off of his mark. And then I feel like going for loose balls when they're 50-50 attempts, he's never the successor in, in those situations either. Um, he just he, he has a softness about him that I, I'm only just newly discovering. And I don't think it aligns well with like the ethos of the team necessarily. And he also seems to constantly have a gripe with referees. He kind of has... I might say a shit-eating grin that sometimes but it goes beyond just a friendly, playful grin, um, which, again, I don't think it aligns with the, the focus that this team going for a championship needs to have. Is he a little soft? Oh. I was going to say that CJ in the chat said it, but I was going to say he flops a lot on rebounds, yeah. like when he does not need to at all, and it's really kind of embarrassing, frankly. But I guess it also, like, the flip side of that is, like, in the garden everyone's screaming fuck you Porzingis yeah. or fuck you Chris Stapps and he hits like a huge nuts three in their eyeball and ices the game with free <laughs> yeah. throws like is that yeah. that is the opposite of soft he you know? wasn't soft there that's I'll give you that yeah. <laughs> so like his game is not soft but maybe like his personality is if that makes sense yeah look offensively definitely not soft um I feel like he's been oh, he's been better than I thought he would be on the boards. Honestly, I like I thought he was going to be worse on the boards. He's been okay. I do agree, Ben. Like, there's plenty of times where I'm like, I feel like you could have contested that. I feel like you could have got a hand on that. You know, that's I think that's part of the package. I also will say he's a different player when he's in foul trouble and when he's not in foul trouble on both ends, especially defensively though. And he's been in foul trouble a lot to start the season and maybe that's going to be a trend, but in the heat game, foul trouble, he was in foul trouble yesterday and defensively that's going to be, that's just going to make you a worse defender. So if we can kind of keep him out of foul trouble, he can stay out because he, he takes dumb fouls. He's taking a couple of dumb fouls too. Like he had one reach in foul yesterday after the, um, oh, the Celtics missed a shot. Yeah. Where, where, where the play was over and you should, should have gotten back. He just cut, any of those fouls out and save them all for um, defense. And I think he's going to be fine. But yeah, that's something that I've definitely noticed as well is that when he's in foul trouble, it, lo it looks much worse. So stay out of foul trouble, but definitely something to track 
is the foul trouble. Thanks, Larry. Are they soft fouls? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, any other contrarian takes before we before we move on to the Sixers game? Uh, I one uh, Brissett or Stevens should take Sam Hauser's minutes. Uh, the argument being like that is contrarian. Yeah, Hauser's shooting is less important on a team where you're starting everybody on the starting lineup can shoot and you have a, two bigs that can space the floor. So you can get away with a four man who um, is kind of a non-shooter and the benefits on the defensive side are outweigh any positive value from Hauser's shooting. I, this is one I truly do not believe at all. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. hey, maybe an argument. Too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the real, and it's not contrarian either, is to say that Percet or Stevens should take Pritchard's minutes because if he's not going to do anything on offense, then what's the point uh, of him being out there and just go more size and more defense? But Houser's up to like 38% from three on the season, I think, already. So, mm-hmm. um, and he was three he's for eight yesterday. It. Yeah, he's fixed it. Like, again, we don't need to, you know, well, but we're going to. He's been a good shooter for literally uh, since they started tracking his stats seven years ago. Um, so we're going to come up with as many ways to say that as possible throughout the year, every time he has a bad shooting night. But yeah, Hauser, three for eight yesterday, all on big threes. Uh, I trust him. And defensively, I saw someone in the chat saying he's bad defensively. He's not. Again, he was good yesterday defensively on Anthony Edwards. He's rebounding. He's like making hustle plays. He's been excellent in my opinion, and I want more. This is one of those arguments where you, particularly you can make it uh, during the game. If Hauser comes off the bench cold and misses his first two shots, you could just tweet this contrarian take out yeah. there and, and yeah. people would jump on it in support of it. But yeah, it's hard to support now given what we've seen from Hauser and like the house trap is still a thing. He's still luring attackers down into the the post as they try and take him on there and he just can stay in front of them. I will say, if I had to hit a shot to save the world, I would want to do so over Sam Hauser's outstretched hand because it does (laughs) seem to invite makes. (laughs) But regardless, he's still there constantly. He gets the hand up. He doesn't get shook by his uh, opponent very often, which is great to see. I was stoked when Lamar Stevens was first off the bench yesterday. I was thinking, hallelujah, the gods have answered my prayers. Like, finally, this podcast is reaching the right audience because they've answered our prayers. And um, he played four minutes and we never saw him again. Nope. (laughs) So that did not last. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And now back to the show. So, um, I guess like the the level-headed response to this contrarian take is like we've got a lot of good young prospects on the bench who can give us what we need on any given night. And it's just unfortunate that we don't know who's on to start each game. And sometimes Joe has lucked into it. 
but I think Hauser is the most consistent. And so he's the guy you go with all the time. Um, but it's healthy for us to have guys like nipping at his heels, potentially taking that uh, rotation spot off of him. So I like that take. That might be my favorite one. Hauser's <laughs> yeah. good, man. He's just good. Yeah. He's just good at basketball. He's just solid. Perfect. Good decision maker again. Like, and I like those guys out there. And he feels like he's getting more confident. And I want to see some of that like secondary playmaking stuff that we saw in the preseason. Anything else to get to? Should we get onto the Sixers very quickly? Yes. Okay, cool. So both teams, Celtics first in point differential uh, per cleaning the glass. Philly second in point differential, just below them at plus 15.3. This is like a Titan matchup. This is, I think, the most, like this is the biggest game of the season so far, to put it simply. Mm -hmm. Um, Both jockeying for um, top seed in the East. Both teams hate each other. There's the, which I'll bring up time and time again and have done since the beginning of this podcast, the emotional fuck the Sixers factor where losing to the Wolves yesterday hurt, right? But losing to the Sixers and allowing their momentum to continue to build uh, would be very painful for me personally. And I think a lot of people who listen to the show. So we have to win this game. It is a must win. Uh, That said, Jake, (laughs) how are you feeling going into this one in terms of the Celtics prospects to, to win this game in Philadelphia? Oh, there's nothing. There's nothing like a Ben Vallis must win seven games into the season. Absolutely, it's going to be a butt clenching time for old, game, old Denny here. Game, <laughs> game, what? Game one through eighty-two through game. All the games in the playoffs are all must wins. Um, <laughs> which who, who's to say they're not? Uh, the Celtics and the Sixers have had similar schedules. Both teams have had pretty light schedules. So far, um, both games that they've lost have been like against the two good teams that they've played. Sixers being against Milwaukee, uh, Celtics being against uh, Minnesota. Granted, I do think that the Knicks will find their level and the Heat, when they play the Celtics, are a good team. doesn't matter what their record is. They play um, like a mm-hmm. conference finalist team, regardless of what their record says. Uh, this is going to be awesome. And I do think that the bounce back Celtics will be in attendance tomorrow because they're going to go back, watch this film. They know the two one seeds, Joel Embiid, the last time the Celtics played the Sixers, second round, game seven, Tatum drops 51. Tatum has been on fire uh, to start the year. And we have the, the Embiid stopper. Uh, the last time Al Horford, I think this is, this is a great time. I feel like people are, tepid, lukewarm on what Al's done so far this season. I think he's been great for the most part. Um, the block against Cam Thomas is coming into my mind right now. He's been solid defensively. And I think um, the drop with Al could be a little worrisome and Tyrese Maxey, but we should have Derek White back and we should have, and obviously Drew Holiday will be there. Let's get over those screens, make um, Maxey uncomfortable. But um, I would expect a big offensive game from the Celtics tomorrow. Derek coming back, I think, is huge for yeah. this matchup because we seem to be liking Drew on like bigs and big yeah. wings, maybe to like save Tatum a little bit from having to bang around with some of the I mean, he was on cat for like most yeah. of the game last night. Um, so and I just think he's a little slower. He's 33, kind of lost a step, maybe not as quite as good on those really quick guards. Um, but that's Derek's specialty you know, slinking yeah. past screens, sticking in, you know, a quick guard's pocket. So Maxie's been playing great. He had a Amazing. super efficient night last night, uh, 22 points um, on like nine of 15 or something like that. So uh, he's tough. But if I think if you can limit him, they really, 
it then it just kind of devolves into the Sixers we know and love where it's like MB taking a whole bunch of mid-range jump shots and like he's beat us once or twice like that but on balance like he might get his numbers but we tend to win that game pretty easily so uh, I think I'd almost concentrate on stopping Maxi first and foremost yeah. grind their offense to a halt Embiid's going to get his and then we know how to attack their defense I mean we've we've been doing it for years and years since Embiid's been there so I anticipate a whole lot of Tatum pull-ups um, and he's been money on those this year so uh, I think he'll have a big game yeah hell yeah to Tatum pull-ups I'd love to see a, a Tatum 50 <laughs> piece just to quell yeah. any concerns that would be nice sixes. Yes. so yeah a point on the the Sixers defense the only team that they've played so far that has a rangy stretchy big has been the Bucks with Brook Lopez, who can get threes up. Uh, beyond that, they've played the Raptors, the Blazers, the Raptors again, the Suns, and the Wizards. And their only loss has been to the Bucks with that rangy, stretchy big. So enter Kristaps Porzingis, who despite mm. my claims of softness from moments ago, <laughs> obviously going to be integral in, in pulling an and Al as well. And just the interchangeableness, if that's a word, of Al and, and Porzingis always in to pull their bigs out of the paint. Obviously, that's going to be a factor against all teams all season, but particularly against Embiid, making him work, making him move his feet. I mean, as I'm saying it, I'm like, geez, we've played these guys so many times. We know the formula. I know. And, and Porzingis just plugs into that so well. So I'm excited to see that. Don't get it twisted, though. The, the Sixers have been fantastic. The Celtics, number one, net rating. The Sixers, number two, net rating. Like these, um, there's like the three best, te- the four best teams in the league have been Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets, Timberwolves, those are the top four teams in net rating so far. Um, the Timberwolves, I think, was a really good spot for us to yeah, – I'm starting to buy into this. This was a good loss, Ben, um, because if the Timberwolves <laughs> loss leads to a big Celtics win, then I'll take a Timberwolves loss every day of the week. Um, so I, I'm definitely definitely buying in on that. But this is going to – like we're not going to walk into – I don't think, especially in the regular season, the Sixers love to actually play well in the regular season – this, this is going to be this going to be a big game. Um, I'm actually getting a little bit nervous even uh, talking about it. Question: Would you? What would you do that, with the start? Yeah, no, I'm going to freak out. So, go ahead. Jake, I was just going to ask one. this, Jake. I was just going to ask this. Okay. Yeah. Go. Well, you go. Oh no. Yeah. Do you start Al? Because it's yeah. Embiid. I think so. I think so. And like someone in the chat, literally, yeah, DJ Daniel, um, a classic CLNS um, audience member. Uh, Ubre is the difference. No more four on five with Tucker on offense. So here's the thing, though. I agree you can't help off some of these guys as much as you can help off um, PJ Tucker. That being said, I still feel pretty comfortable with putting Porzingis on like Tobias Harris um, and him being out of cover Tobias Harris in space. Like, I don't know. I don't really think that Tobias Harris offensively um, is cracking guys off the bounce consistently. I've seen Porzingis defend in space pretty well uh, against like Brunson and and Tyler Hero. I would be very comfortable starting both those guys. I am very intrigued to see where they go because uh, you can definitely see them just trying to go at the starting five. But I, I would I would start Al. I think you got to have Al on Embiid. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, and it's not like Al has just been stopping and beat at the rim all of the time, right? Like that's no. a huge part of the recipe, but it's also the help that we send and where Correct. we send it from, from behind him always and the timing of that help. And that's going to hopefully continue to be a factor whether or not Al's out there. But I think Al just like getting down low and sort of anchoring that initial stage of defense on yeah. Embiid is important. So I think you, you have to start Al, right? Like the, historically, it would be yeah. foolish not to do so. Well, 
as well as we, we already spoke, spoke about Porzingis and foul trouble being a real issue for him. If, if you start Porzingis in this game and Al on the bench, you could, you're guaranteed for two Porzingis fouls in the first quarter, mm-hmm. maybe like in the first two minutes. Like, and I think you need to avoid that because you need Porzingis on the court offensively to do everything that we've been talking about. Does that mean Drew goes to the bench then? I would bench Drew. Buy a bench Drew. I, guess I don't, so. I don't know. I mean, the, I guess you could say Derek hasn't played for a couple of days. So, you know, come off the bench, get the feel for the game back a little bit. But I think that would be kind of crazy. And Drew off the bench kind of, we've had trouble yeah. scoring with the bench. You know, it kind of makes mm-hmm. some sense. I think the good, the good thing is either of those guys off the bench is a great place to be. Like I love, I also like, honestly kind of like Derek coming off the bench. Cause then that's the guy running your offense in the second unit. Like Tatum goes to the bench and you bring in Derek white to kind of get things going a little bit. Um, yeah, that either way, but I think, I don't know, we aligned that you would start putting us and you got double big here. I think yeah, so. I, I, I think, think you, yeah. Go ahead, Spence. Oh, I was going to say, we're going to see Luke in that case. If yes. are, are we okay with that? <laughs> well, let's let, let us not forget in the game. Uh, was it last season or the, yeah, I think it was last season. Rob and Al were out and we had Luke Cornett and Blake Griffin as our big men for the game. And the Celtics won that game. So, and <laughs> Amazing. We, look, Cornett positive has been Cornett positive the last yeah. couple of times. He's been, he's been good. He's been fighting and I actually think that like the Embiid matchup, oh, it's not good. It's not a good matchup, obviously, but like, you know, I, I, I think Cornette can put his hands up and, and run around and battle out there. Embiid's not a great rebounder. And the fight that I've seen from Cornette on both ends on the glass has been like all we've asked for. And if he can carry that into the next game, I think he can be useful and impactful. He, he did get his one rebound last night. He hit his quota. I can't believe it's one. <laughs> I swear, I've got to go find another one. <laughs> <laughs> yep, scrub the game. Correct yeah. the, the statisticians there uh, in Minnesota because clearly they got one wrong. Um, all right, we might we might leave it there. We are firing up our playback room yes. tomorrow. I don't know how we're going to do it. We are, we are going to manage it. We've got some... Um, competing priorities there as far as just uh, family issues and I got to get to a hospital to get my knee operation bandages off, bandages off rather. But Jake's going to fire up our playback room uh, a couple of minutes before tip off there and uh, I guess Spoonie and I will be joining him as soon after that as possible. So that's playback.tv slash first to the floor. Just sign up with your League Pass account if you're not already familiar with playback and it's a, it's a live watch party. We're all in the room there together reacting and, and hanging off every single possession and every Luke Cornette rebound. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So playback.tv slash first to the floor. All right, that is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. Spoonie, Jake, love your work, guys. Until next time, go Celtics. <laughs>